Hello, this is Bill Lytell for a little more wisdom for your walk. I'm going to do something I normally haven't done in a long time. That's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Read and make comment as I, as I read through it to try to help you understand uh, God's desire for us to be separated from a disobedient uh, brother or sister in Christ. There's a lot of confusion among Christians like, uh, people come up to me and say, Brother Bill, how in the world do you ever exp- expect to win homosexuals by preaching against it? All I can tell them is the only way homosexuals are ever going to be reached is by preaching against it. The only way, only way murder is ever going to be saved is by condemning murder. The only way adulterers are ever going to be saved is by repenting of their adultery. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I believe that's Luke chapter 13, verse 2, and repeated in verse 5. And so let me read through this and give you some insight. You need to make 1 Corinthians chapter 5 familiar to yourself because you're in a world of wickedness and a world of hypocrisy, people calling themselves Christian but not living like it. And this tells you how really as a church, local church, we're supposed to officially deal with it. He says, It is reported commonly there is fornication among you. Fornication, now I want to straighten something out. The word fornication is a broad word for immorality. It can be appearing naked in public, sensually dressed. It can be uh, uh, committing intercourse uh, with someone who's not your mate. It can be orally having sexual relationships with people. It can be many, many different violations of sexual immorality. The Greek word is pornea, where we get our word pornography, and that kind of gives you an idea how varied the word is. All sorts of immorality. So it's reported commonly there is fornication among you. Such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles. That's wild. That one should have his father's wife. This man had married his dad's wife, which was not his mother. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned. And he said, that's now you get there. That's the reaction we're to have. We're to mourn when sin comes into the church. That he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. This is the base and underlying principle of our action toward brothers and sisters in Christ who will not repent of of open known sin. For verily, in verse 3, For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that he might that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to really get that. Verse 5 is extremely important. That is a security verse. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of his body, his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul believed this man was saved, and he was in wicked sin. And he says, you as a church must get together publicly, by the way, oh my, Oh my, how we like to sweep problems uh, that really need to be made public. Uh, we like to sweep them under the carpet and, and hide them and, and cover them up. But we're supposed to deliver such a one who's publicly sinning without, without uh, embarrassment. We're supposed to get together to condemn the sin, try to get the individual to repent. If they don't, then we have a meeting. We deliver them officially over to Saint Restruction of their body so that their soul may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. That's it, verse 5. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Again, that is the underlying theme of the whole passage, verse 2 
and verse 6 here say basically the same thing. You've got to get rid of the evil. You've got to condemn it. And again in verse 7, verses were purge out, therefore the old leaven. So again, that's the third time it mentions about getting rid of it, that you may be a new lump that you're unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. In other words, Jesus died for these sins that come um, into the church, and we should in no way possible condone them or enable them. He says there in verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I write unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, but he defines it. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, not with the unsaved fornicators, because you have to leave the world, right? He says that. Or with covetous, or with extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must needs, for ye must, ye needs, let me try to get that right if I can with you here. For then must ye needs go out of the world. He said, basically, you've got to separate. You've got to separate from fornicators and condemn fornication, but not those people that are unsaved. That's what they do. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, that's a brother or sister, of course, to be a fornicator, covetous, or idolater, railer, or drunkard, or extortioner, with such an one, know not to eat. Now, that may seem hard to you. That may seem cruel to you. That may seem upside down to you, but remember, it's the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit guiding us through the quagmire of the problematic things of a brother coming in the midst of you in open sin, and nobody saying anything about it. Nobody want everybody wanting to shove it under the carpet, forget about it, hide it. When really it needs to be brought public, made made clear that it's wicked, and we need to turn from it and judge that brother and sister as a pastor for. Uh, over 40 years now, I have had to do that a number of times. For In verse 12, For what have I to do with to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. And he says, we're not here to judge people that are not part of the church, not saved, not claiming Christ, but we sure are here to help our brothers live right with God, to judge them that are within. For them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. That's the fourth time in 13 verses that Paul mentions you have to get rid of it. Yeah, little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. If you leave this within your body of believers, listen, why do I say this? There's churches all over the modern church of today, the mega church of today, have people living together that are members of their church. People can join the local churches and be living together in open, wicked sin or be committing all kinds of sin and they're just it's just condoned. That is absolutely unbiblical and wrong and is, is very, 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 very um, destructive to the local church because the leaven will come in and pretty soon the whole lump will be evil and God will have to himself come in and judge us. May the Lord help us to understand this principle. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 through 13. I hope you reread it, take it for yourself, study it, read commentaries on it. Uh, I believe it will help you to have a good attitude and have a good perspective as part of the local church. Here's a little bit of wisdom for your walk.